Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Struggling Hunters with myself, Eric Stewart, and Mr. Joe Imes. We're here again with uh, another podcast, episode 11. Uh, we're popping them out. We're cranking them out and um, having fun doing it. And I hope that everybody's enjoying it that's watched our content this far. It's been a lot of fun. Um, with that said, uh, we're going to get right into uh, the podcast and start talking about things. Uh, first, first of all, Joe, uh, you sent me a picture this weekend. I and, did. <laughs> uh, it looks like you uh, got something kind of nice in that picture. Do you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah. So uh, I, <laughs> so it was a picture of a deer and not, not just a deer or it was a buck. Um, so this weekend I went down, uh, to some family property. I got permission to set up a child camera and, uh, and then to hunt. So I went down, set up my trail camera this weekend. Um, that was a good thing and a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the good thing was, is that I guess there's kind of, well, anyway, so the good thing was I came across, you know, a herd of bucks and, there was probably, you know, there's, I think there was seven bucks in this herd. So that was awesome. But the bad thing about that was uh, it was on the neighbor's property. So I got to gain permission to um, hunt that property. I, hopefully I can get it. Uh, but, you know, if not, I'll move on. And so that was a bad thing of that. And then setting up my trail camera, I went down, set up my trail camera, got this little cheap one. Um and I was, wasn't too worried about setting it up, put it up. And I went back, went, went back to check on it before I left. And then noticed that like my battery power was down to 70%. And I put fresh brand new Energizer batteries. And so, you know, I was like, well, it got the Energizer bunny in it. They should, should last a little bit. <laughs> and so I left it, you know, and then I, I went back home, went back up to the house and, I was sitting there thinking about it and I was like, man, if I've only had it up for like four or five hours and I'm only down to seven and I'm down to 70%, like, man, that's my battery's not going to last that long. So I went back down again, picked it up. <laughs> and this time I think it was down to 60 something percent. And so I don't know if I have something off or not, but there was only three, three pictures that were taken that were actually, you know, recorded. So I don't, so it's, it's odd that it, so that it drops that quick. So I'm still playing. I, so I brought it home, long story short, brought it home. I'm playing with it now, trying to get it figured out. Um, set it up in the living room, captured like 125 image, images. And it went down to like 40%. So I, it's, I don't know. <laughs> so is that you just walking back and forth? Get, get right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you look look it up there like a like a deer in the headlights? Yeah, you know, just you know, pop and pose every once in a while, you know, just you know, ka-chow. ka-chow. Yeah, 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 I like it. <laughs> I like it. So right. are the, are are those the same batteries? They are the same batteries. And and, um, and you've gotten a hundred and what'd you say, a hundred and twenty-five. What's your battery life now? Uh, it was down to 40%. That's still pretty dang quick though. 
that's what I was thinking. And like, I got another one that like, I can leave it out for, you know, a month or two months and it gets down to 60 or, you know, like 40% after that long. So I don't know. It might be one of those things that, you know, sometimes you do, do got to spend money on a little bit more expensive stuff, but. But you got a really good deal on that, didn't you? Yeah. I think I paid like $20 for it. It was like some little flash sale. It was like originally 120 bucks on sale now for 20 bucks or something. It was, I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, I get it. you know, that's one of those things that you just can't pass up. I mean, right. You live and you learn, but I mean, yeah, if, somebody was going to sell me a truck hammer for 20 bucks, I'd probably have a hard time saying no. Also, <laughs> you're kind of like, Oh, it's 20 bucks. That probably should work somewhat, you know, but I don't, I'm still f- going to play with it. Isn't that <laughs> funny? Whenever, uh, when you buy something for 20 bucks and you're like, well, if it doesn't work, whatever. But then if it doesn't work, then you're pretty mad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I spent some cartons. I spent cold, hard cash. I worked hard for <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, I mean, that was good though. Uh, you know, got out, got do some, doing some scouting, uh, went, went down, a went up the mountain trying to find one spot that I hunted seven years ago. Mm. And, uh, not that I got lost, but the whole time I had Jen with me and we're driving up and it's like, I feel like I should be going facing more South. And we kept heading, heading North along this, this uh mountain mountain line and like it feels so wrong it's not right and i was like and then we get up and we crest the top of the mountain we start heading down the other side and it's like this is not right (laughs) i never this i should be up on top i should be plateaued i should you know be able to see see all around me there's no trees so we stopped and had some lunch and turned around and went back down the road and i there was a right hand turn heading heading up the mountain that I was supposed to make that I didn't make. And, uh, and usually I remember that stuff, but this time I forgot that I made this right hand turn wow. <laughs> and it was like clear back at the bottom of the trail too. <laughs> but just passed but, that by, huh? Yeah. I just zipped right by. <laughs> I think I looked at it. I was like, Oh, there's a trail right there. And I just kept going. <laughs> isn't, isn't that funny though? I mean, you haven't been up there and, seven years but you, you knew that you were still the wrong i mean that intuition of yeah this ain't right this ain't yeah it's funny how yeah. that works but i was like i knew it i knew enough of it because i was like yeah i'm heading the wrong direction but i was like i think i am but i'm still heading up like it's still i still feel familiar about it all but i'm not sure until i got to the top and started heading down the other side and i was like oh this is wrong yeah <laughs> that's funny but so it was fun you know got go hang out with my dad yeah oh yeah that's cool so yeah i didn't know i didn't know that you got to hang out with your dad yeah he lives down in that area so stopped in saw him and that was it was nice nice little visit yeah that's good that's good that's good yeah i uh i haven't really been doing a whole lot um just kind of hanging around the house i got a few days off of work for um, because of having the having the baby girl, so uh, been kind of doing some honeydews around the house and uh, take care of the kiddo and 
or the other the other kids too it's been it's crazy crazy having three kids in the house <laughs> but uh yeah so just kind of been playing dad haven't really had a chance to get out but i am hoping i can here in the next few weeks I, I i feel like i've said that on the last few podcasts but seriously though in the next few weeks get out and do a little scouting or something and uh i'm also i'm i i don't have a trail camera on me as of right now but i'm thinking about buying me one here pretty soon so probably get one of those and then put one up on on the off the beaten path and and uh hopefully i i have a little better luck and my percentages stay up (laughs) but uh you know what actually uh anybody listening to this that has trail cams uh shout out some of your favorite brands that you use for a trail cam or maybe even something that you like about a trail camera or something you don't like about a trail camera. Like, you know, Eric said he doesn't have any, I have two ones. My one's a multi multi tree or so I can't remember, <laughs> but my, like I said, my other one, which was, you know, a little bit more expensive or at least it was eight years ago. And uh, my other one is a cheap one. I can't remember the brand, but you know, I get you know, having issues with it. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what some of your guys's likes and dislikes are about what you got. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to know too. Cause I know for me, the only reason that I don't have a trail camera is, uh, I I've always kind of been a little hesitant about buying one just cause I public land hunt and I don't want somebody to steal my trail camera. So I've been a little <laughs> hesitant about it, but, but uh joe kind of inspired me to actually get one uh mostly just uh, you know we kind of talked about it and just getting off the beaten path um you know probably more than likely it'd be safer than not you know as long as i try to hide it you know i I don't know you want to hide it to an extent you want to hide it like where nobody can see it but then you also want to put it somewhere where there's going to be a lot of animals walking through so right you can't hide it too good right because you might not see nothing but then so i don't know but yeah i I have trust issues so (laughs) (laughs) that's why that's pretty much why i've never really bought one but but uh you joe kind of talked me into or inspired me to want to get one so i'd be i'd like to hear what everybody else thinks about child cameras and then uh so yeah, that's pretty much where where we're at. Hopefully, in a few weeks, I get to put a trail camera up and and go from there. Maybe I'll take advice from one of the listeners that on what they use. I'll buy what they use. I'll let you know if I do. Um, but with that, also, I do have one other question that I'd like to reach out to the uh, to the fans is um, what what kind of kind of speaking of deer. It kind of made me think of this. Speaking of deer and Joe getting picture of that nice buck uh what do people like to hunt more uh mule deer or whitetail uh, i know some people probably only have the option of one or the other but why why would you uh what do you hunt and and why do you hunt hunt them be kind of interesting to hear that also and uh to reach out to us find us on facebook if you're um, if you look in the uh, description of our podcast, it should have a link to our Facebook page. 
go there and, and comment on our Facebook. And then obviously if you're watching this on YouTube, just comment on YouTube on what you like. We're just trying to get our engagement up a little more. We'd like to uh, see, you know, see a little more engagement. So that's why we're kind of asking a few questions. Uh, with that said, though, uh, Joe, I have a question for you. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about taking off your shoes in an archery hunt? Or have you ever done it? <laughs> I have not ever done it. Uh I will, won't lie. It's been something that's been on my mind as since I've been going down this uh, archery uh, hunting road. Um, it's <laughs> we'll say it's a little, little scary, a little bit, you know. <laughs> but I get why they do it. So, you know, last year I was hunting elk, and I know I don't see too many people taking their uh shoes off when they're hunting elk you know doing that i mean i'm sure there's situations that call for it but uh one of the things too is i hear that elk is a little bit forgiving about you know breaking twigs in the woods because they're a larger animal so they're gonna make a naturally make a little bit more noise um so taking your shoes off when you're getting close to an elk you know is a little different to you know you're calling them into you so it's not like you're really sneaking up yeah i mean i'm sure there's a situation that calls for it so this is my first year um pursuing a deer with uh with a bow and uh i see a lot more people taking youtube videos taking their shoes off or their boots off and putting on some sick fox to uh to sneak up on the deer and uh you know, I guess that's one of the things that you can do that's going to maybe increase your odds. I think a couple of things kind of go in the factor there, I believe. Um, this is just, you know, my take on it, not that I've done it. So one, it's going to cause you to slow down. So if you're taking your shoes off, you're probably, you know, 80 yards or under. And so you need to be, you know, to, from what I've been able to, from what I've been picking up, hopefully I get to put into practice this year. Um, you're going to want to slow down and you're going to want to be quieter. So I guess, you know, taking your shoes off, you're naturally going to go slower because, you you know, my feet aren't calloused up and I ain't going to be running across the field barefooted. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go slower for that reason, <laughs> which, and then, you know, watching where you're stepping and then wearing a thicker if you have an opportunity to put a thicker sock on like if you step on twigs or something that that padding will absorb the sound or you know maybe not such a hard crunch if you step on a twig or something so you know i see the benefit of it i haven't done it um will i do it i probably will because i feel like it'll help um increase my odds if i'm in in the situation for sneaking up on a on a on a bedded buck or you know or something something you know like yeah I'll, I'll probably do it but I'm a little scared I don't want I don't want a twig in my foot yeah yeah <laughs> but so the so the videos that you've seen do they just use thicker socks is that what some of them do some of them actually carry a pair of uh, thicker socks in their pack and uh, so 
one of the things about me is I hate dirty shoes, like insoles. I hate, you know, putting dirty socks on and then putting them in my boots. Like that just mm. uh, bugs the heck out of me. So if I do it, I'm hopefully going to be prepared enough to have an extra set of socks in my pack that and I'm sure, you know, like I could hopefully be able to set down, switch out my boots for my socks and then be able to take off. Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't like dirty dirty insoles yeah <laughs> gotta be clean <laughs> <laughs> yeah that makes sense but yeah so you know they'll carry an extra set of socks and sometimes you forget they'll forget they've forgotten them so they're in there just whatever socks they have on so i guess if yeah, you get, i was gonna say i do have a pair of socks that are thicker that i will be having my in my pack hopefully if i like i said if i remember them that they will be included in my hunting pack. I will have a, a thicker pair of socks. <laughs> yeah. That might be a that might be a business idea right there. If you make that popular in the archery world, you could uh make like a pair of socks with some leather bottoms or something, you know. Right. Bigfoot feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I wonder if somebody's already tried to make it, but it's one of those things that's so unheard of. I don't know how good the business plan is, but. Right. Well, I've seen, I haven't seen anything recently, but some of the old, not, I shouldn't say old, but like, you know, mid two thousands. Um, there's this kind of this boot sock thing. You can pillow that you put over your uh, boots and it has some type of a fuzzy bottom to it. So that, you know, like that way you're not taking your boots off, but you're throwing on this, extra boot i guess i that supposedly does the same thing as walking barefooted because it's padded and so but i mean then that's a couple pounds heavier and something you'd have to pack so that's that's the biggest uh is that the biggest takeaway with with going barefoot is that it just helps deaden the sound whenever if you step on like a little twig and i yeah that's kind of what i've taken away is it just helps with this, you know, without your, your heavy sole boot um, stepping down on something or kicking something, you know, like, or scraping or, you know, making the boot noises as you're trying to sneak up. It just, it's a, it's less sound that you'll be admitting and it'll kind of help, I think, deaden the sound of what you're stepping on. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I like I like the idea or I like the thought of it. Um I don't know. I it it's yeah. like it's kind of it's kind of it's, it's different, but I I like the thought of it. Right. And not you know like I <laughs> I guess in a way I kind of hope I get the opportunity. You know, cuz I mean that's kind of the epitome of bow hunting cuz you know like if you're trying to get from the 80 yards down to maybe 40 yards and then maybe even down to the five yards or 10 yards, you know, like I, I think that's one kind of the appeal to some people. And, you know, like I haven't been that close to a deer in a while. You know, like I have, but like not in a hunting situation yeah. where I didn't know I was there. I, you know, so I, I, I want the experience. I hope I get the experience. But. Yeah, it sounds cool. I hope I'm, I hope I can be there to film it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 
but yeah, so maybe I'll come up with the uh, Joe socks. Yeah, there you go. There you go. The the Joe the Joe soul. The yeah. Joe. Yeah, something like that. We'll play we'll play with the wording, but <laughs> it could be a hundred dollar business idea. Yeah, I'll at least have sold one pair to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad idea, really. It's true. <laughs> make, make an entire business just to support yourself or just to uh, build everything for yourself. Right. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense if you don't think about it, as they say. True. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But. Well. Um, um, go ahead. I just was was welling with you. Well, I'm glad we can well. <laughs> it feel <laughs> it feels so well when we well. <laughs> <laughs> this might be one of those late night podcast deals where <laughs> it's at least funny to us, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh so our so we were going to uh we had a where we have a plan to kind of go into elk their habitats uh what they like and what they what they like to eat uh where they bed uh just kind of a bunch of little things that we looked up throughout the week Joe and I and we're going to try to get through those um in this segment and hopefully the idea is, is to kind of maybe, say, you know, some of you guys probably heard it a million times and some of you guys probably haven't heard it ever or, or, or maybe maybe a nice little reminder. But the idea is just kind of understand uh, elk a little bit better. Uh, so, Joe, do you want to start that off with anything? Yeah, so I'll I'll get going on that. So one of the things that, I you know, everyone I think knows – at least I know, but it's like one of those things too, that of uh, trying to get on the forefront of your mind because, you know, I mean, for me, when I'm out hunting elk or deer, like I go up to a field or a mountainside and I just go, Oh, look, there's, um, there's grass, you know, there's, there's shrubs, there's everything. And I don't really ever pay attention to where all that's growing. Cause to me, you know, like this is just a moment that I, a moment that I had in my life recently that I realized that <laughs> I didn't pay attention to, <laughs> you know, cause like I said, a cow, you know, like a bovine, they, they feed in a field where they have food. And so for me, like a mountainside or, or a, a meadow, you know, like that's kind of the elk and the deer's, filled they, they get to eat in so i've you know i've never really like tried to get more of an understanding than that and uh so one of the things that i've picked up on is that you know where elk are a grazer you know they're gonna eat and move at the same time like they're just not gonna well i'm sure they do but they're more more than likely they're gonna be walking and eating and not just you know staying within one little square in their life like they're they'll, they're going to move around uh and so a couple you know the things so they're going to eat the the they're going to eat a grass 
So when you're hunting, you know, I think we talked about it last time, you, you know, about precip precipitation, how much rain you've had, you know, trying to pay attention to that. And that's going to affect where those, uh, where certain things are going to be growing during the year, where they're, you know, or be drying out and not growing. And, you know, paying attention to the type of how big, you know, like the grasses are in the area. Because as the grass grows taller and taller, it gets bitter and bitter. So it's not as sweet. Mm. That's something I didn't know, actually. Yeah. So, um, you know, like if you're in an area and you have a bunch of like brown grass that's knocked over. And sometimes there's some uh, green grass under it. But like, you know, it's not going to be the best feeding area for for an elk so you know and like so there so i found through my studies like there's three different types of of foliage that they're going to eat so it's going to be grasses um a forb which i had to look up and a forb is a a flowering plant like a plant that has flowers mm. you know and uh and then a, a a woody plant so a plant that uh kind of like the oaks the scrub oaks uh sagebrush and one thing you know uh, and you got to pay attention to what i picked up on is you got to pay attention to uh the little buds like how fresh how were the like what plant what in the woods in the woody plants you know so scrub oak sagebrush um your junipers uh willows i think was one of them and they're, they're always going to have like new growth on them. So, and so some of, well, not, I shouldn't say always, but you want to pay attention to what areas have, you know, that new growth and some in the smaller, the shorter ones are going to be sweeter than the taller ones. So that's something to pay attention to. Um, and let's see. Yeah. Like the, that's kind of what I got. Like, you know, for at least what the elk eat, what I picked up on for this last week, what I'm going to try to clue into uh, for this next year. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to leave that yet because um, there was a couple things that you said. Uh, so I didn't know that the longer grass was more bitter because, so, you know, sometimes, I mean, you're hunting somewhere and you're like, man, the grass is nice and tall here. Why? I mean, you know, all the food in the world, why ain't they eating it? But that makes sense that it's, it's sweeter. And so it's something to look at. Um, you know, I feel like, uh, through the years of hunting, trying to pick up all the little signs, you know, every, everybody like, you know, tries to find tracks and, and, uh, and scat, but it's all these other little signs that you got to look for. And, and it gets overwhelming. I mean, I half the time I forget, you know, I forget to check my wind, you know, right. I mean, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like at the end, like, like all the little things that you have to remember to try to help yourself be more successful. Like you almost get yourself turned around and just go back to base camp. If you, <laughs> if you actually like went by every little thing that you had to, uh, had right. to go by, cause it, cause it just, it gets overwhelming sometimes. I mean, but it is something that with that said, though, it is something that the reason we're talking about it is obviously because we hope that you guys kind of pick up some of this stuff and next hunting season, 
will will you know use what we're saying because we're that's what we're doing is we're going to use what we're saying you know i i mean you get while you're saying that i'm thinking oh okay i gotta look for like more shorter shorter grass and you know like that's by shorter too like you know like one of the things that was you know like between two to four inches like and green like you know because once it starts like what i picked up once it starts getting bigger than that and then it's not quite as lush (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, that's something i didn't know you know the 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 on the contrary of that though is uh is in the later fall into winter um because i did a little bit of my research and and uh they'll eat grasses shrubs bark tree or bark and tree branches uh i thought that was kind of kind of crazy it kind of almost contradicts what you're saying but i think it's more in the winter time right like whenever the food is scarce and they're just trying to eat whatever they can so you know i guess bark has some kind of nutrition in it uh i didn't look into much more than that but i just thought that was interesting whenever whenever i saw that i was like huh really bark really i i didn't know it i don't know of anything besides a woodpecker that goes through bark right I yeah. guess pine beetles too, I guess, but yeah, well, but I not. wasn't expecting elk. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, that's pretty interesting as far as the food goes. Yeah. So like one of the, so I'll throw out there too. One of the things I thought was kind of interesting was paying attention to like avalanche shoots, like, if you know where, I mean, it's not like you're, I, don't, I guess you can probably, there's a website out there that lets you know where avalanches have happened or, you know, like, but if out in the backwoods and you can tell where, you know, like an avalanche shoot, I, I'm sure that my inexperience not is, you know, I can't say that I've noticed them, but I'm sure there's reoccurring spots that where avalanche happens. And so where I'm getting at, hopefully I haven't lost anybody is so (laughs) it's gonna so in the winter time it snows snow builds up and whatever the physics are for an avalanche you know weak bottom so that to me in my head i see it as the snow is grabbing a hold of whatever is growing in these on these mountain sides and they're frozen to it and then an avalanche happens and rips out all that shrubs all that grasses whatever it was frozen to well in the spring that's gonna allow fresh growth mm. and so I, that's kind of I, I feel like is a key to all this too is paying attention to where the fresh where the fresh growth is happening because that's going to be a better tasting more nutritious uh food plot than other places yeah it makes sense to kind of spin off of that too is uh uh forest fires after you know a couple years after forest fire the next spring um, right to pay attention to those those areas because it's supposed to carry a lot of vegetation as the everything starts growing back after the fires right so kind of kind of the same thing as what you said but just with fires instead of avalanches yeah yeah no for sure and that's like one of the things you know as we're talking about leaving the the your hunting camp and going out in the woods and trying to keep all this straight you know i think that's just little things that you kind of learn to keep in your back pocket as you're looking 
East, as you're, I guess, East scouting, trying to figure out, you know, where fires have been and then also where avalanche can happen. So then you find and yeah, look for their, their, a sanctuary that'd be close by, but it's all interesting. I didn't, I, I, I should say it, I guess I'll probably hear me say it a whole bunch of times tonight, but I realize this stuff, but I've, I don't know that I've ever really like internalized it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, doing this podcast kind of, kind of helps us internalize it better, you know, cause we're wanting to come up with content, learn more, more about what we're trying to do ourselves with, with elk hunting and, and trying to create content and doing some research, you know, it, it's kind of like, Oh wow. You know, I, I mean, some of this stuff, it's like, Oh yeah, I knew that, but I, I never really thought about it after, you know, I've, I've gained the knowledge at some point in my life, but never really thought twice about it after that. But then, you know, you read something that says, Oh, you know, this is really important to know. And you're like, Oh, okay. And, but you know, just, just help internalize all the information of, of vegetation. And, and um, I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing. If you can figure out where they, where they're eating, uh, you know, you, you're going to figure out, you're going to, figure out how to how to get one i mean you're gonna see you get you're gonna have to you're gonna come across one you know eventually so yeah um so i think vegetation is a real important role but it's kind of funny that it's something that like for me that's probably one of my one thing that i've lacked on is is maybe studying those areas in a in a deeper way uh to try to get one up you know trying to get to where the elk are is uh I haven't really studied the vegetation idea of it. Right. And like I said, like for, like in the very beginning, like when I looked at a hillside or something, you know, like or of or whatever, whatever was in front of me where I was hunting that I assumed like all of it was where they would eat, you know, like there's grass there. Should be an elk, you know, like it there could be, instead of like focusing on like you know places where the food would be better yeah yeah that that i mean that makes much a ton of sense so there there must be more nutrient in the in the nutrients in the forda i mean there's probably a bitter taste in the taller grass but it probably loses its nutrients as it gets taller too right or well i think uh yeah, I guess that's. I was gonna. I think there's just more of it in a in a smaller area, like you know it, that that four to two to four inch leaf or whatever stem is gonna have more an easier digestive uh, nutrients than it's gonna be in a in a in a in a, in a stick, and then it's gonna be soft too. You know, more enjoyable to eat. You know, what you enjoy a burnt steak that's crisp or. Uh, one that's a little bit more rare and juicy. Depends on how long it's been since I had a steak. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the reason I brought nutrients into it though is because uh, a part that I researched to kind of add to is uh, is they said that uh, that they eat grass obviously for uh, for more nutrients to survive the winter. And then uh, you broke it down to the two to four inches. So it started making me think, oh, well, maybe maybe the two to four inch grass. I mean, it's sweeter and everything, but they might 
it actually might carry more nutrients in the shorter, greener grass than, than the taller, drier grass. Right. And it probably tastes more bitter too, but <laughs> I don't know. If I ate grass every day, I mean, I don't know if be much well, of a then, difference between dry grass and green grass at, at some well, point. Well, the other thing too would probably cut your, you know, cut the mouth up a little bit more on the uh, more stemmy, uh, you know, thicker, older grass. You know, it's not quite as soft too. So yeah, but horses do it all the time. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe maybe uh, elk are a little more picky. I guess. <laughs> They get to be, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've earned it. Video. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> I I heard some video. No, my phone. I got a Google. Can't say it too loud. A Google phone, and what we said something that like triggered it, and it started like answering questions what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh. I love it. Uh, but so I, I was going to say, I wanted to, I guess, share a little bit of my, my childhood with us here on this uh, podcast. So, and then I was going to share a little bit more information that came out of this book too, about, I guess, rutting elk. I didn't really know about. So anyway, so this book, I got this book when I was probably, so it's not just, well, I got one book. It's all about elk. I got another book that's about mule deer. And then I think I can't remember the other. So I got this whole set of books that my dad bought me at a yard sale when I was probably nine. Nice. And I've held on to it like all these years. I read through them uh, once or twice, but I had nothing's really stuck till now when we're discussing it. So I went and pulled out the book about elk and it's actually, so it's a leather bound book. It's red you know, with gold lettering and it's a, <laughs> it was put out by the North American hunting club. And uh, so, you know, it's a nice little set. I've, I've enjoyed it over the years. I feel like it's, so let's see, it was published. Let's see. I should have had that more ready. So the copyright was in 1987. Hmm. So that's kind of interesting, but yet, you know, like it's still full of information. I'm sure some information doesn't change, but I wanted to share this part of it. Um, so it talks, I didn't realize it till I was reading this. So it's, you know, so here's a little bit more about elk. So quote, I guess I'm supposed to do quote. <laughs> uh, elk are uh, adaptable feeders and can, and can digest grasses, forbs, woody plants, and, minimal accumulations they definitely prefer grasses and forbs which may contain 85 percent of their diet until late fall and early spring so now let's jump down to um i guess well into the rut a little bit more so what's the i i got one question because i don't think you said it what's the book called it's called uh, All About Elk. All About Elk? Okay. Yeah. Maybe and you did say it, but I, I just thought you were saying it's a book all about elk or something. <laughs> I didn't realize that you said the actual title. Sorry to disrupt, but just for the for the listeners and stuff so they kind of know what to look for if they wanted to look for the book themselves. 
so it says that, so this is what I found interesting. An elk, an elk liver is capable, capable of some pretty strange things. It stores uh, vitamins, vitamin A, all right, and produces glycogen, just like livers everywhere. But during early rut, the bull's liver accepts a lot of lipids, fats, and sterols from other parts of the body. These accumulated, raising the fat content of the liver to almost 50%. That's which I thought was interesting that the liver fat content grows to 50%. Yeah. So then the fat change. So the fat changes the liver color from a deep red to a yellow or pink. And so then it goes on to say that in this way, a bull has a ready supply of easy metabolized fat and it can undergo, undergo prolonged fasting during the rut. So I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, like I've, I've never hunted an elk during the rut. But, you know, I guess when you have one thing on your mind, you're not focused on eating, uh, you know, a square meal, making sure you're taking your vitamin pills, eating those luscious little green grasses or or buds on trees, right? You're focused on on making sure your herd grows bigger. (laughs) and uh, Scoring big, and I'm not talking about Boone and Crockett. Right. (laughs) and uh that was stupid but (laughs) and uh so they're not eating so then the liver provides them a way to to fast and be able to have the fat content to i'm not strictly entirely sure what it needed but you know as i thought that was just something to kind of put in your back pocket as you're hunting too during the rut like oh elk ain't gonna really eat all that much they have a their body naturally gives them the ability to continue to, to fast to prolong fast yeah yeah that's interesting i didn't know that either i mean i kind of see that's one of those things that kind of it, it makes total sense whenever you say it because they're just running around their eyes all bugged out and ready to find a female and then right. you know anybody that wants to wants to fight them they're down they're down you know they're they're like a 21 year old uh first time going to the bar and getting drunk you know they're either, right. wanting, to, they're either wanting to fight everybody in 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 the crowd or or go home with a lady. <laughs> Either right. one's fine with them. So, <laughs> very true. <laughs> but they don't have the fat content stored up in their liver to continue that on day after day. <laughs> yeah, but they got the liquid courage. <laughs> true. <laughs> they got they got something else in their liver. <laughs> true. <laughs> but. Anyways, yeah, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> no, that, that's pretty. That is pretty interesting. So, I I don't know if I, if the book says it or if you thought about it, but uh, one question that I kind of am curious about is, even though that they're capable of doing that prolonged fast, like once the rut's over, are they? Uh, is that their main concern at that point? Is trying to also make up for lost calories and, and so. Uh, I didn't, I'm sure the book talks about it. I didn't get into um, post rut information, but just uh, this is information I've gathered from talking to other people. Um, it's nothing that I've personally um, experienced, but uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I sound like a pro, you know, here <laughs> I'm full of information, but uh, so, okay. So post rut. Uh, yeah. 
uh, you know, they're no longer focused on one thing. They no longer have one thing on their mind. Well, one, they no longer have one topic on their mind. It changes to another thing because now they got to, uh, they got to fatten up because I think I heard, you know, like they can lose up to, you know, 30 or 40 pounds. I think it was during, uh, don't quote me on that during the rut from not from the prolonged fasting. Mm. But, uh, uh, so now they're, they're trying to put the weight back on. And so that's, I think one of the things you, you know, so that's something you put in your back pocket is that they're trying to put in, put the weight back on. So what's that going to mean? They're going to be, go ahead. They're going to be focused on eating and be at places where there's vegetation. Right. Is that what I, so I think, you know, I, I don't, is that something you're wanting to cover? You, you, yeah. Or, yeah. No, that was pretty much my question was, was, I mean, would you be more unlikely? So like, cause I, I'm thinking about, you know, selfishly thinking about uh, my situation up where I hunt and I'm like, okay, so maybe, you know, I'm doing second season. So it's, later October, sometimes third season. Um, but I'm doing October, early November. And, uh, you know, maybe I need to focus on where they might be vegetating. Obviously that's what I need to focus on, but kind of the knowledge that we've talked about today has made me think about changing the way I've hunted out there in that area in the past. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And like I said, you know, that's something you'd be putting in your back pocket is trying to realize you know, they're just coming off the rut. You know, they're now they're folk. Now they got to get fat because they got to get through the winter. You know, they got to put all that fat back on, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. And, you know, Mother Nature is pretty interesting. It does a, a lot of amazing things. And one of the things, you know, you, you take a second step back and look, you know, uh, you know deer, elk, um they all uh go into rut just before winter you know i mean it's not like one month it's rut and then two days later it's a hard winter like they do get time well some years they get time to put the fat back on but like it's interesting how mother nature works like you know they're trying to build their fat up to be able to survive the winter but then they you know when the when their when their babies drop in the spring, now their babies have a chance to go through all the spring and summer and fall to get healthy enough to make it through the winter. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things you stop and think you're like, man, Mother Nature's kind of cruel to make these uh, animals go through this cycle just before winter hits, and then just and then says, hey, by the way, you got to put forty pounds back on before winter hits to make sure you get through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that is kind of true, huh? Yeah. But then, if if it was reversed, and the rut was earlier in the spring, now you're having babies born just before the winter, and I, you know, I don't think you know, there's no way a baby's going to be able to get fat enough in a month or two to be able to survive a winter. So that kind of uh, one of the other things that I looked up on my end is. Uh, it said that 900 or elk can get up to 900 pounds, but I kind of feel like that's probably pretty uncommon common during the hunting season of an elk being up 900 pounds 
maybe because the reason I say that is because uh, even if a bigger elk after the rut, I mean, maybe, maybe like if you got an elk right in the rut, you know, during archery season, um, I mean, you might be able to get one that's 900 pounds, but by October, by the time ruts over and, and, uh, they're moving on with, with life, uh, they're trying to get their weight back up, but it might be kind of very rare to see an elk at 900 pounds, during hunting season you picking up what i'm putting down yeah so you're saying that the the amount of weight an elk loses during the rut is going to have them under that under a thousand or under 900 pounds during the actual rifle hunt when they're getting when they're trying to put weight back on yeah yeah so so like in in spring and summer probably like middle of summer right before the rut probably is where they have the most weight right because they're they're right. getting ready they're getting ready to to uh perform so they probably have the most weight at that point and then it's all kind of downhill from there if you will <laughs> i mean you know even though they're trying to put on back on the weight after the rut's over it's hard to say if they actually do get it all back by the time rifle season comes around well then the other thing too you think about is not every year but some years there's a, a winter will hit early so, you know, it gets cold. And once it starts getting cold and freezing, then all the the good uh, grasses or whatever they're eating, they're, they're going to die off. That's going to have the quick, you know, starches and, and whatnot is going to die off sooner than you're left with this dry, dead vegetation that doesn't – I mean, it has some nutrients. That was the one thing that, too, that I thought was kind of interesting. So um, elk chew their cud. So they they're, they have uh, different – I can't remember. I don't remember how many different stomachs they have. Um, but they'll set and they'll regurgitate and then chew what they've already eaten and then swallow it again. And so as they're doing that, they're pulling out more more nutrients, more minerals. So that, well, there was one of the things I read said that because an elk um, chew their cud and have a bigger stomach – that they can, the elk can get away with eating like, you know, like the, the brown grasses that like the dead grasses in the wintertime, they got, they eat more of it, like 20 pounds a day. And they're able to get the nutrients because they chew their cud to make it, to get through the winter where a deer, you know, can't eat that amount of veg that dead brown vegetation to get through the winter. They got to do it a different route. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so in October and November, do you think uh, you might be able to spot them eating more brown grass? Uh, it depends. More dead grass. It depends on. I mean, you might be able to because they can, but it also depends on. I'm sure, like the precipitation or how cold it has been. You know, because once things freeze, then it starts killing it. So, that's why. Typically, you probably. Or you always hear of a migrating down into the lower right parts of the woods. Yeah. So I'd like to know when they actually start migrating, though. It'd be nice. <laughs> well, that's one thing. I don't know if there's an actual, you know, I don't. It's not like oh, uh, November tenth, we're rounding everybody up and we're heading down to the lower country. But I've heard stories, guys telling stories where they'd be up in the high country. 
and there's like three feet of snow, two and a half, three feet of snow, and there's like three big old bull elk running down, running through it. Like, you know, so I don't, it's, I don't know if there's necessarily a date. I think it's just one of those things where for like you think about in your situation, like, you know, if if food's starting to get scarce, are you going to try to get it to where it's easier? Are you going to stick it out where it's, where food is, is harder to get to. So that's whenever you're, whenever you're done putting it up with the, it's hard to get to, then you're going to move on to the easier part. So whenever that tolerance is, I'm sure is kind of like for elk too. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, speaking of that, I've kind of wondered that same thing. Cause you know, I've heard that, that they start moving down lower, but then I hear people doing high country back, back country, high back country hunts. And I'm like, well, shouldn't they be moving down? Like at this point, like, are, are, you, you know, would you be, but then they, you know, I've, I've heard people or had friends that have, that have gotten their elk from doing it. So I'm like, well, that theory is kind of out the window about migrating to lower elevations Right. And I think that that's typically, I shouldn't, you know, say anything because it's not like I have personal experience in that topic personally witnessing that, but it seems like when it's that situation, it's like a lone bull or a lone, you know, like it's only three or four bulls or one, one of the things at least for mule deer is the big boys are from what I've heard are typically the last ones to come down from the mountains like you know they'll they'll hold they'll wait till there's like a foot of i'm probably exaggerating a little bit but they'll wait till a foot, a foot of snow and then they're like all right i'm tired of this i'm going down mm. that makes sense but it's interesting i I've, I've never experienced that for myself and i'm hopefully someday we'll be able to <laughs> yeah yeah for sure oh we will we'll do it this year We'll do it this year. I, I have a, I have a couple things that I thought was kind of cool through my research. Um, at one time before, basically, uh, before the the pilgrims uh, came to the American continent, uh, there was estimated around ten million elk in in America or in the north Ameri- northern American continent, and. Uh, there was 10 million elk that roamed. And then by the 1900s, there was only 41,000 left at that point. Um, and through the help of conservation with the, uh, what we talked about last week with Boone and Crockett efforts uh, and, and, and other organizations similar to that, 41, or there was only 41,000 in 1900s. And then to, in today's, time there's over a million back i can't imagine what that looked like with 10 million elk though you know it's amazing that 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 thought because there's so many elk i mean colorado's like number one with elk i think utah's up there in the numbers number two or number three or something number three who's number two then i i new mexico i believe new mexico yeah but i mean i you know i see elk quite a bit and I just can't imagine if 10 million running around. Right. I, I, that, that'd just be nuts. I mean, it's kind of wish you had time machine to be able to go back and, and see all this stuff. And it's like flourishing States, you know? Oh man. 
that'd just be that'd be kind of fun. But <laughs> I know we need to get us a uh, what is it? Is it a DeLorean, the Back to the Future car? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to we need to buy one of those. Start working on it, and then uh, and and but uh, through that, um, let's see. Another another thing about the elk elk research that I did is uh, through the uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, uh, elk has, have been restored after a hundred years of no elk in these areas at all. Um, elk have been restored in North Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee, Virginia, Wisconsin, and Ontario, Canada. Uh, I just thought that was really cool. Uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation has been around since uh, 1984. They founded it out of Montana, but they've they've done work for elk, trying to bring back the elk herds uh, all over the United States and obviously Canada. Um, I just thought that was kind of cool that they're bringing elk back into uh, into those areas that haven't seen elk in over a hundred years. So true. And um, I'm, I don't have a lot of information on this, but um, I guess elk are starting to migrate down to Texas also. Huh. And uh, I'm trying, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, if you know the answer to this, but they are, they are like a, uh, they're, they're a non-invasive species. That's a invasive species now. Cause they used to be in Texas, but they're, but then they were not in Texas for so long. And then they've slowly been migrating into Texas that, uh, you know, they're changing the habitat. Uh, and so it's kind of like this, this weird. So they're kind of like, like protected, but they're kind of not, it's a really weird. Uh, um, I'm trying to think, I feel like the meat eater guys have covered it uh, a little bit on one of their podcasts and uh, it was quite a while ago. That's why I can't really remember, but, but I thought it was really interesting that they, uh, you know, they elk were originally, uh, you know, it re- were in Texas, but, but they haven't been there in so long that they're kind of calling them an invasive species now, but they, yeah. but they were, they were one time a natural, um, a part yeah. of the topography and everything. And now, now they've been gone for so long that that they're tearing everything up and re- kind of ruining the ecosystem, maybe <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was kind of interesting about Texas, but um, obviously, what I had, I'm sure I could have found it if I would have looked it up, but they didn't. Uh, I didn't have time to look up everything, um, but they didn't mention Texas having elk there. But but I I I heard that a long time ago, and I'm just kind of piecing it together on the podcast now about what I remember about it, but, but I still, I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, no, it, that is kind of interesting. I never, I haven't heard that yet. i makes me want to do some uh, research. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hopefully I'm not wrong. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong about that. I remember, I remember listening to a pod, another hunting podcast about it and thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. So, uh, let me see if there's anything else that I. One of the things, though, 
uh, that as you're looking at, I thought it was interesting is, uh, you know, so elk, so I know people know this, but it's still fascinating. Elk, or not everyone does, elk will lose their antlers in the, you know, in the winter time, end of winter, drop their horn, drop their antlers, and then they grow them back. And they are tip so typically I think it's from April, mid-April till uh, so hunting seasons in August or for the bow. And usually, you know, they're not fully grown by then, but the the their their growth rate is so quick that they're considered like the fastest um, bone growth in the in, in the animal kingdom. I've I've heard that same thing before. It, it's so crazy that how that works. Yeah, sometimes growing up to like a inch a day. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so something that would probably help in your archery. I mean, I'm so, you know, I'm still trying to figure out the rifle hunt. So I'm obviously pretty oblivious when it comes to archery hunts at this point. Um. But uh, one thing that I read was uh, the elk like to splash in ponds to, like, stay cool. And, oh, yeah. and the reason I, I bring that up is because it's still pretty warm during archery season for the most part. So that might be, like, an advantage to try to figure out where they're at is, is somewhere around some ponds or right. around water somewhere because they might be going there to cool off right. at some point. True. Tuck that way in the back pocket. Yeah, that's just another one to try to remember. What was that? Put that in your bag of tricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another one to try to remember while you're out there getting frustrated that you haven't seen nothing for two days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like that kind of closes up the segment for me unless you got something else. No, I'm, I think that covers everything that I, I was ready to cover. Well, it's been, it's been fun. I mean, uh, you know, we've been kind of, Joe and I have been kind of enjoying doing a little bit of research on, on some of these topics. And, and hopefully we're, uh, you know, doing the research and you guys are enjoying listening to it. or we're, And hopefully we're making enough sense about it that, that you guys are like, okay, yeah, I get it, you know. But, uh um, I don't know. We're kind of, you know, it's just a little something new. I mean, there's only so many hunting stories that we can, we could say in podcasts. So, you know, we've been kind of trying to think of, con- uh, think of, uh, topics to come up with, uh, with, uh, content. And, and so, you know, the last couple, we've kind of done some research and, and, uh, I don't know. I feel like they've been working out pretty well. Um, I've been, I mean, I, you know, it's kind of nice to know that stuff for myself. So I imagine other people would like to learn a little bit about that kind of stuff. So yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, it's been a good, uh, I, I feel like I've learned a lot about elk in the last few weeks or a lot more than I did before. So it's been pretty nice. And, uh, is there anything else you, uh, want to say joe uh just thanks for listening uh hopefully you're okay with us rambling and uh (laughs) 
trying to trying to put into words what what we learned and what we're trying to how we're trying to better ourselves and uh catch up with you guys again sounds good guys thanks for listening to the struggling hunters we'll talk to you next week at episode 12 can't believe we're there already man <laughs> for sure crazy that's like three months of uh podcasting right it's <laughs> crazy all right guys have a good one we'll talk to you later adios <laughs>